Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Red and White Authority. Happy New Year. Uh, this is the first official Red and White Authority of 2018. Uh, it's episode 45, and it gives me great pleasure to uh, uh, have back Ryan Martin, the Assistant General Manager of the Red Wings, General Manager of the Grand Rapids Griffins. He's got his hand in the Toledo Walleye, Team USA. You name it, this guy is all over the place. And I hate when I say this guy, but this uh, this uh, uh, Red Wing executive. So let's bring Ryan in. And uh, Ryan, thanks for doing this. Always a pleasure to catch up with you. My pleasure, Art. Great to be here. Well, first and foremost, I know that there has been a, a panic over Red Wing fans, and I don't think they quite understand uh, especially the Canadian Hockey League, which comprises the Quebec League, the O, the Ontario Hockey League, and the Western League. But five Red Wings have been traded one multiple times, and I'll just quickly say where they've gone and, and, and where they're at. Jordan Sandbrook from Erie to the Sioux Greyhounds, a defenseman. Giovanni Smith from Guelph to Kitchener, he's a forward. Riley Webb from Hamilton to Saginaw, also a defenseman. Dennis Chalowski, who's having a great year for Prince George, was traded to Portland. He's a defenseman, obviously. And then Zane Zablocki from Red Deer to Lethbridge and yesterday to Victoria. Is this a good sign, a bad sign? Does this send panic through the parent organization, which I'll refer to as the Red Wings, because are they troublemakers? They're just not as good. What's going on when guys are moved like this? Uh, it's the exact opposite, Art. It's, uh, it's a positive in, in every way. These, these guys are uh, trade deadline acquisitions to help the teams that acquired them go on a big playoff run. And you look at a guy like Jordan Sambrook, um, you know, big big part of Erie's success the last two years going to uh, uh, the Memorial Cup. Uh, done a lot of winning there, and now he's gone to the Sioux, which, you know, I don't know if they, their 25-game, 26-game win streak has come to an end, but they're, they're an elite team in the OHL. So that's a great acquisition for him to go there and play uh, important minutes. The same for Dennis. You know, Dennis wore a C uh, up in Prince George, played a big role. That team's not. I don't. If they are a playoff team, they're they're probably one that feels they can't make a ton of noise to go down to Portland. That's a chance for him to play uh, seven game series. Um, it's a chance for him to play a big role down there on a great team. So these are all real positive things. You know, Lane's a block. He's a real character guy. He was acquired last year by Red Deer, uh, making a playoff push, and now he has since gone on, as you, as you point out, to Lethbridge and then to Victoria for the same reason. A character guy. A guy that plays with grit and uh, you know a lot of energy, so a guy that's going to be a real useful piece in, in a playoff run. And, and the same for Giovanni Smith. You know, Guelph is sort of a, a bubble playoff team. They haven't had a ton of success there the last two years. I'm not sure if if Giovanni's ever played a playoff game uh, in, in major right. junior. So for him to go to Kitchener and the chance to uh, to to continue playing and play in playoff hockey, we we see. All of these acquisitions uh, and all these deals as real positives for these young men. How about Riley Webb? Here was a fellow who had not, I think he played 12 games total in uh, in the two seasons. He was healthy this year. Uh, and you know, Tyler Wright told me, the director of amateur scouting for the Wings, said that he might have played only 12 games in two years, but we scouted him at, or eight and nine, and they liked what he see. He was a big kid. Hamilton, he's a local guy, so when they drafted him, and they, he was their number one draft uh, pick for Hamilton. Is it, is, it, is it just slow in developing? Does he still have to you know, get his legs back? Uh, it's, a, it's a little bit of everything. So certainly he's been... 
He's been handcuffed a little bit by, by injuries the last couple of years. He has not played a ton of hockey. You, you correctly point out that uh, he was drafted by the hometown team. Um, he, he did want to stay there uh, and continue his development, but, but as they make a push for, for their playoff run, I think he found his his opportunity in the short and the long term to be maybe not what he wanted it to be, playing time, specialty teams time. Um, I, I, from what I understand of talking to uh, or people in our organization spoke with his agent, there was a number of teams that wanted to acquire him. Um, in Saginaw getting him, I think for the long term picture, it's great for him. He's going to play. He's going to play a big role there immediately, and he's going to have an opportunity to play bigger minutes there next year. Which I think that's why he uh, he he had some form of a no trade clause in it, but he agreed to waive that no trade to leave home to leave uh, Canadian schooling system. And some of the the audience needs to understand when a, a high school player leaves Canada, there is an issue with the education when he comes down to the United States. Not everything transfers. Uh, as easily. So that's a real concern for these young players who are still in high school. But he saw it as a positive um, for him to come down and join Saginaw, who will make the playoffs this year. And uh, certainly looking forward to next year, he's going to play a big role there. So that'll be great for his development. When you look at most of these deals, and I'm talking more about Sandbrook, Smith, and uh, Chalowski, they were moved, and maybe another player came with them, or could have been a three-way trade or something. But what the other team acquired were uh, a plethora of draft picks. You know, first, you know, first, second, third, all over the place, well into like 2020-22. That kind of tells me that obviously these guys were brought in because they are impact players, and they, especially defensemen, you, can, you know, the old Scotty Bowman thing, you can never have enough defensemen. So, as you said, it's a good move. Do you as, do they kind contact you? Are these kids in a panic because they're moved, or do they understand what's going on, or do you have to kind of talk them off the roof and say, no, it's not because you're unwanted, it's because you're wanted? No, it's, it's, no, it's the opposite. They, uh, they understand the nature of, of the CHL, um, and this happens every year, and they see themselves as uh, integral parts of a team going on a playoff run. They see it as a positive. Um, you know, the fact that they're going for multiple draft, I think a 2028 draft pick got traded in one of the, not only <laughs> it was one of our transactions, but right, right. that kid's five today. So somewhere out there, there's a five-year-old who's been traded. And... Um, <laughs> You know, the, the, uh, those teams are built primarily through the draft or free agent tryouts. And, you know, a typical junior team may only have one or two kids from a draft that end up making their team. So when they trade away, you know, six and seven draft picks, the teams that are acquiring them, that's how they're building their team. Um, but anyway, back to your initial question, the, these players see it as a positive. I don't, you know, their agents are obviously educated in the process as well. They've been around. They've got experience. Um, you know, occasionally a player may be re reluctant, like I'm not sure uh, this is the best team for me in my development, but it, it, those are short-term questions. I mean, mostly from the long-term, anybody that's going from a, a non-playoff or a team that is not expected to make a ton of noise in the playoffs to one who is expected to go on long runs, um, for those reasons I stated earlier, we see that as very positive. The chance to play seven-game series is, and uh, playoff hockey, 
you can't you can't teach that in development. That's why we bring all these young kids into Grand Rapids at the end of the year uh, when they make the playoffs, even if they're not going to be a part of playing in those playoff games, just to be around and experience playoff hockey and how difficult it is to win a series. Let's uh, before we get into the the team. So just to to put a bow on this thing, uh, I still I guess I got the Christmas mindset still that the. This is really a good thing. It's for their development. There's no panic within the Red Wing organization that, wow, we, you know, we're missing on a lot of guys, you know, their head cases or something. This is something that happens all the time, and Red Wing fans should be encouraged because most of the, these five young men are actually going to teams that are going to make a playoff push in their respective league. Absolutely, yeah. But that sums it up very well. Okay, let's, and let's, I wanted to ask you about, real quickly, the World Juniors. I know you're a part of Team USA. Uh, Team USA... Uh, has never, although it looked like it was a good shot this year, won back-to-back gold medals in this tournament, although they have been a, a, a dominant force as of late. They finished third. Canada finishes uh, uh, with the gold medal, and Sweden is second. Your overall thoughts uh, of the tournament, and did Team USA disappoint? Uh, well, no. First of all, Team USA, uh, for the first time ever, uh, in the history of USA Hockey, we medaled for the third year in a row. So that had never been done before. Um, I learned during the tournament, Russia, for the first time, was being eliminated and did not medal, had broke a streak of seven in a row, which is, that's extremely impressive that they medaled for seven years in a row. And, and if you go back, um, I believe it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 14 out of 16. I mean, that's incredible for Russian hockey. So, But back to Team USA, uh, I thought it was a very positive uh, tournament. Um, you know, we had we beat Canada. Uh, we had to go through uh, Sweden to get there. To me, they were easily the, the you know one of the top two teams in the tournament. Um, you know, the, the 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 biggest disappointment from from my perspective was we didn't get a chance to play Canada again uh, because as just a fan, I, I thought that outdoor game was incredible. Uh, and it would have been great to play them in a quote-unquote more meaningful game uh, at the arena, um, and especially for the gold medal, because that's the only time we would have matched up with them again. Uh, that didn't happen, but hats off to Canada. I actually texted Tom Rennie uh, yesterday, who's, who's the director of Hockey Canada, and obviously was here at one time as a coach, to congratulate him. Um, but they had a great team, a really deep team, uh, very strong at every position, very well coached, uh, and I've, I felt the same about Sweden and the U.S. And, and certainly Russia and Finland, I thought were very good as well. I mean, to me, those were the were the five best, and, and the Czechs were right in there as well. So, a very good tournament, great experience for for our young prospects. We had four kids playing in the tournament, uh, and again, th- those are all things that uh, that I think pay dividends in terms of development. I wanted to get to the Red Wing prospects in that tournament, but when I ask you an overview of all the prospects, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll probably elaborate on that. Just a couple of players that uh, uh, Rasmus uh, Dahlin, uh, the Swedish defenseman, six foot two, uh, seems to be all world. You know, the YouTube vid- video of him skating through the entire Russian team on the ice is was impressive, and he took a shot. He didn't score, but everything I've read said that he just pretty much solidified him as the number one overall pick, regardless of who gets it. Uh, is this kid a difference maker at 17, I think he is right now, as a defenseman? If he were to be, is he in the NHL next year, I guess is what I'm trying to ask you, Ryan. He looked very, very good. Um, he certainly has the ability to to transition to the NHL probably uh, sooner than most at his age group. and. 
for fans out there that follow that tournament, really, uh, you know, one indicator that that scouts use when you look at the age of some of these players for somebody uh, of his age to impact that tournament the way he did, um, and if you compare him to his peer group that's there of the same age and, and how they impacted the game, I mean, he was at a whole nother level. Um, and that's impressive for, for a 17-year-old to do what he did at that tournament and to, to stand out the way that he did at that tournament. Um, you know, it's, uh, I, I don't know if he's going to go number one overall. It certainly looks like he most likely will, and it looks like he's probably not going to be long to get to the NHL. Um, were there other players that impressed you that are draft eligible? I'm sure there were. If, if you want to just maybe talk a couple of them. I know Keith Kachuk's son, uh, uh, I, I think Brady. Yeah, yeah Brady, uh, Brady Kachuk, I think, uh, you know, the, the, and I, I think I read some quotes the other day uh, the, about Brady. And, you know, for, for scouts, I think the enlightening thing about Brady was, you know, we had watched him all through the fall at Boston University and, and basically playing against men, young men, and uh, many times two and three years older than he is. And, and his quotes the other day had something uh, referencing the fact that this is the first time he's played really against his peer group in recent months, and and I think that stood out. You know, he he was able to elevate his play, and uh, you know I thought he had a very very strong tournament for sure. Uh, the young Quinn Hughes, the young defenseman who From plays at the University of Michigan, was also a member of Team USA, and although his minutes, I'm not sure his minutes were. Um, you know, at a level with some of the other defensemen in that tournament, I think for his age, uh, I, I think he was right on par in terms of the impact that he had. And I thought he showed very well towards the latter part of the tournament um, after he had gotten more comfortable in some experience. Well, I, I know, maybe I could be mixing it up with somebody else, but isn't Quinn Hughes the youngest player in the NCAA in Division One hockey? Or I thought that perhaps he... Uh, probably. He's, he's pretty close, if not. Yeah, so he's a, he's a pretty young man. Uh, uh, any other player that you, you, you thought, boy, this, is, uh, this kid's really uh, not a Red Wing prospect, because we'll get to them that... Uh, well, there were there were a handful of players there that um, that our scouts like, and and up until that tournament, with the exception of maybe a couple who were uh, repeat players for their country and had been there prior right. to that, uh, or maybe that we had seen them at off at the Halenka tournament or another um, another tournament like that. It's the first time we had seen them in that type of international right. competition, and we were used to watching them. Uh, maybe in the CHL in Quebec or Ontario or out west or perhaps over in a European league. So uh, there were there were a handful of, of players that uh, that I think our scouts enjoyed watching in that type of an environment because it, to me it's best on best and it's some of the best hockey in the world. And like I said, for you know maybe a guy like Zadina, a Czech player that uh, that we had only seen prior to this up. Uh, in the Quebec League this year or the Halenka tournament in the off season, uh, it's really good to see that player play uh, in that type of an environment. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you about, uh, uh, does this reaffirm this the, the, the World Juniors, what most people are saying, and nothing against the 2017 draft, but 2018 is packed. It's loaded, and there are prospects virtually in the first three, four rounds. Yeah, I don't know that you can base it off of the World Junior, though. I, mm -hmm. think, uh, I think the candidates that were, that were eligible for the tournament, that, that played in the tournament, you know, numbers-wise, maybe it's a couple more than, than last year, but usually that's still the best of the best. And, and 
those players aren't necessarily indicative of the depth of the draft. I think the depth of the, of the draft uh, is more a function of the quality of the, the teams in the CHL or the USHL or the NCAA or European League. So many of these players uh, would, not have, would not have been there anyhow, um, but I do agree that it is a deeper draft than, than last year for sure. Let's uh, let's uh, t turn our attention because we really want to focus an overview of the organization. Um, I know that the Toledo Walleye are not really are, are an affiliate of the Red Wings, but they're kind of a, their own separate entity. Uh, but this year they're first in the uh, Central Division in the ECHL. They're twenty-one, ten, two, and one, forty-five points. They've scored one hundred and ten goals. Uh, they're uh, uh, they've given up 90, which is the third lowest in 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 the ECHL. Dan Watson and his staff, uh, uh, Delmore, doing a great doing a great job. Um, thoughts on? Are you encouraged by what's going on in Toledo? Obviously, you probably are if they're a first place team. But you see some uh, some potential Red Wings down there. Well, the um, you know our our relationship with Toledo really transformed significantly uh, about four years ago when uh, a joint effort but it was both on their initiative as well as uh, ours that where we wanted to change the the hockey dynamic down there anybody that's ever been to a walleye game or a mud hens game for that matter because it's run by the same people the business operations there have always been an a plus right and um, there was a time when the hockey was probably not the most conducive environment to developing some younger players or players who may might not be ready for significant stints in the American League and we wanted to find uh, we wanted to develop and build that type of an environment down there so hiring Derek Lalonde first and foremost right. and and that Dan Watson was an assistant to Derek and now Dan has taken the reins from Derek uh, they've had a tremendous impact on the culture down there and and the development uh, environment for our players so when you get a young player um, not only goaltenders like Matej Machovsky, who we signed as a Czech free agent who uh, had spent a little bit of time in the OHL and gone undrafted, but Jake Patterson at the end of his, his career uh, in North, as a Red Wing prospect was down there. You know, it, it's a great ground to uh, a great environment to keep your fifth or sixth goalie in the organization, make sure they can play games. That, that's the obvious benefit of that league. But even beyond that, you know, we did sign Luke Glendening to a minor league contract uh, when he came out of Michigan. He started in Toledo. Uh, Marty Frick spent uh, two years plus part of a playoff run um, in, in Toledo. Andre Nestrosil spent an entire full year down there plus about a half year and, and was recalled during Jeff Blaschel's last year uh, in Grand Rapids. And, and obviously both, all three of those players have made the NHL. Peter Mrazek started down there. So... Um, it's a great environment for players that might not quite be ready to play enough of a role in the American League where it's not it's going to be best for their development to play more minutes, more important minutes and you know guys like Zach Nastasiak and, and Dylan Sadaway have spent time down right. there this year on NHL contracts and then there's there's a number of players that uh, that we the Red Wings have identified and, and signed to minor league contracts like a, a young player named Luke Esposito who's been uh, in and out of there. Mike Borkowski was a college free agent we signed out of Colgate that spent a lot of time with Grand Rapids last year, helped us win a Calder Cup. He's been down there back and forth there. So it's great depth for, for Grand Rapids. When we have an injury in Grand Rapids, uh, 
And obviously the other guy who's been uh, Vili Seriarvi. Vili right. started the year down there. It wasn't that he wasn't good enough to play in the American League. It was we had we had eight defensemen in the American League, and, and somebody has to sit out. And why sit in the stands when you can go two hours away and play? You know, probably double the amount of minutes that you can play. You can play in big situations, and I, I think Vili. Um, Villy's seamless transition to Grand Rapids when he was recalled and the success that he's had since he's been recalled I think is is a big function of, of his ability um, or having played down in, in Toledo to, to start the year. So um, it, it's, an, it's a great environment. The, the ECHL uh, is a far better league than people give it credit for. It's basically almost a post-collegiate or post-major junior all-star league. I mean, if anybody looks at the rosters in that league, uh, and if they follow college hockey or the CHL, they're going to recognize names and say, wow, that, that, that guy was a really good player when I saw him at such and such college or this right. major junior team. It's that good. And, and the coaching caliber down there has, has ramped up tenfold in the last five years. So that's great for us. It's great for our competition. Um, is it a true baseball model where we're developing major leaguers out of the AA level consistently? Probably not. Probably not. Um, this to the same extent as baseball, but but certainly if we can sign three or four players every year that that help with depth options to Grand Rapids, and then maybe once every few years one of those players develops into an NHL player, I, I think it's a great investment in uh, in in our player development model. Yeah, it, it's an interesting league with the ten forwards, uh, the guys that are sent down there. Dan Watson has always. Uh, pounded this in my head. You know, they they might be a little bit disappointed because they're, they're they've been sent down. But then when they realize the opportunity, they're on power play, they're on penalty kill, they're playing twenty plus minutes a night. That they sort of actually buy into it. And uh, and the one thing is that the Red Wings are completely engaged in this team. And it's not. And I know we've talked about this before. It's not a place where players go for their career to die. It's not a graveyard for them if you're sent to the uh, uh, Toledo Walleye. Right, and, and you know, so I know Sean Horkoff and Dan Cleary, our two player development directors, have been down there. Um, I myself have seen that team play three or four times. Yuri Fisher, when he did player development, uh, would go down there often. And certainly, I talk to Dan Watson all the time. Uh, Todd Nelson talks to Dan all the time. We've got an idea. A uh, very clear idea of how the players are playing down there, and uh, you know, for a guy like Machowski, it's a it's a it's great for him to go down there. He plays every other game. You know, if he were sitting in Grand Rapids, he'd probably be playing every fourth or fifth game and holding a clipboard. But right. uh, it, it's really good for him at this point in his career to be down there playing. And, and you're right; you correctly point out there are only ten forwards, and and the guys who are down there at forwards play a ton, and, and they play a lot of important minutes. When uh, let's turn our attention to the. Uh, uh, defending Calder Cup champions, the Grand Rapids Griffins, uh, uh, currently in sixth place in the Central, 18-16, uh, 1-4, 41 points. Uh, they've scored 122 goals. They've given up 123. Kind of a slow start for the Griffins this year. I, maybe injuries a little bit, guys going up and down between uh, teams. Uh, was it a Calder Cup hangover? What? Uh, uh, how can you... Finger it because I think you know expectations have always been high in Grand Rapids and uh, they're starting to put together now. At least they're over 500 finally. It was um, there was a combination of a few things. Certainly uh, a Calder Cup hangover. You know the last uh, the last five years that teams played more playoff games than any other team in the American League, and certainly uh, the last the most recent two. 
um, ha- have been right up there. You know, going to the the finals is a lot of extra hockey. That the, and it delays the summer training that these players can uh, can participate in. You know, losing Thomas Nosek. I mean, Thomas Nosek was either going to be on the Detroit Red Wings, right. But losing the, or lost through waivers, but we lost him in expansion. That's a big loss, a big centerman down there. And Kyle Criscolo, uh, and anybody that followed Grand Rapids last year, Kyle was a young player we signed out of Harvard as a college free agent uh, to an American League minor league contract. Buffalo ended up signing him to an NHL deal this offseason. We tried to retain him. Um, he felt he had a little bit different opportunity in Buffalo. Uh, so losing those two centermen was 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 a big loss. Um and, you know, between the Calder Cup hangover and losing those two centermen, I think our goaltending top to bottom um, was not at a level that we expected it, nor that the goalies expected to play. So those three, and, and our division is extremely tough. If, if anybody follows our division, um, you know, Derek Lalonde, our old coach, who I have a tremendous amount of respect for, our old coach from Toledo, uh, Iowa was going to be better. Uh, the Chicago Wolves now with their new affiliation with Vegas, and they hired Rocky Thompson, uh, who's a premier coach yeah. from Windsor Spitfires. They were going to be better than they were a year ago. Milwaukee is always good. Um, Manitoba got got better from last year, so I think we play in the second hardest division. So it was it was sort of a, a multitude of factors that I think played into uh, what was a less than stellar start. Um, the positive is though they've won eight out of ten. Uh, we just were uh, the teams in the process now flying back as we speak from from Winnipeg having beaten uh, the first place team twice. Um, we're playing very good hockey right now. Uh, we've gotten healthy. Uh, Turner Elson's been who was out of the lineup for a while has been a big addition as a centerman. Uh, he's finally healthy and back in the lineup. So despite losing Tyler Bertuzzi, who's obviously a big big loss, but it's great that he's here in Detroit. Um, guys are picking up the slack. Offensive players are starting to produce. Vili Seriarvi and Phil Peronic, two young D, are getting more comfortable. They're playing bigger minutes. And Jared Corot uh, and Tommy McCollum have both been better in that. You know, more, more specific, Jared has been great the last couple of games. So um, I'd like to think we're going to compete for a playoff spot. I think we can. Uh, you know, we're in sixth place, but technically, based on the points, we're really only two points out of second. Now, the American League is a little different. They do it on win percentage instead mm-hmm. of points. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're all going to play 76 games in our division, so the points won't matter in the end. Um, but we just got to keep chipping away, you know, one game at a time. I want to uh, – we'll go into the prospects uh, uh, right now, and, 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 and we'll start with the, with the guys that are on the Grand Rapids roster and, and get, you know, a little uh, analysis of each one of those, and then we'll go into the, uh, uh, the fellows that are playing either in the uh, – Canadian Hockey League, European League, and also the NCAA. Uh, but your overview of the organization, not including the Red Wings, I'll get your final thoughts, will be that, uh, where you think the, the the big club is right now. But an overview, are, are you pretty pleased with the fellows that you've drafted, uh, where these teams are at, how they're being coached, that you know, there certainly is a very bright future that Red Wing fans can look forward to. Uh, some of the fellows we're about to talk about, are, are going to make an impact here in Detroit? Well, that's a big open-ended question. Yes, it is. I, I know it is. So we've, we've already hit on the junior kids, and I think all those young kids are at really good spots in their, in their careers. And, and most of those players that you identified that we started out the meeting uh, speaking about will, will be in Grand Rapids or at least competing for a job in Detroit next year with Dennis Chalowski and Giovanni Smith. 
Uh, Lane Zablocki uh, still has junior eligibility. Jordan Sambrook is a player that we have to decide on signing him to retain his rights. But but all those players, um, with the exception of Webb, certainly uh, could be impacting Grand Rapids next year. So I, I won't spend a whole lot of time going over those players. But um, you know, this year Axel Holmstrom as a first-year pro, um, you know, I think it's the 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 upside of losing a guy like Nosik is it opens up a center spot, and, and Axel has played both center and wing, and, and although sometimes it might be a challenge for him at that level, I think it's great experience uh, to play those types of minutes and to play the, the role down there. Now, he's he's had some challenges the last couple of years dealing with uh, injuries and, and rehab from those injuries and, and how much off-season training he can do, so his start may have been a little bit slower this year than he expected, but it's really good that he's been in the lineup almost every game uh, with, like I said, with the opportunity to play, play both center and wing. And then Dom Turgeon uh, has had a great uh, second year. I mean, there's a guy that in March of his last year of junior hockey had a shoulder injury where the surgery put him on the sideline till August. So he, he really couldn't hit the gym until August. And the fact that he came in last year and he was penciled in as sort of our 13th or 14th forward. He ended up earning a spot in the opening night lineup and never lost it. And it's a real credit to him. He was able to knock a veteran out of his job to the point where the veteran, uh, who was on a minor league deal, he, he left and went to Germany halfway through the year because he wasn't playing anymore because right. Dom had taken his job. So, um, you know, I think his story has been great. I mean, he's he's had a tremendous year in terms of, of his production. Uh, you know, he's got 22 points in 39 games, so that's a career high for him, and, and he's definitely trending upwards. Um, you know, Tyler Bertuzzi, obviously, we spoke about. Right. I think Tyler's a guy that, you know, Calder Cup MVP, certainly did everything he had to do to state a case to, to make the Red Wings coming out of camp and, and probably would have put himself in, in a little bit better position had he not had that that funny wrist uh, injury in camp. And really that was the only reason that he started the year in Grand Rapids, mm -hmm. but almost from the beginning uh, of the games that he played down there, I, I think he had a ton of success early. And it was, it was good just for him to get down there and play big minutes, and I think the people – um, that have seen him play up here in Detroit have seen that that uh, that's a real benefit. You know, yeah. get well. Go ahead, Evgeny Svechnikov. You know, obviously that's that's one that uh, you know the downside was you know typical. I don't want to say typical, but a, a sophomore slump. And and Evgeny would be the first to tell you, um, you know, he's not doing anything different than the years. Evgeny spent a lot of time in the off season here in Detroit training on his own. Uh, I don't think he's ever been in better condition. He's stronger, so I think he's as perplexed as anybody as to why he wasn't having the success. But you know, for a guy that put up 20 uh, plus goals last year uh, and 50 points, uh, you know, teams are keying on him. He's no longer going to play those easier minutes. And I think also losing Kyle Criscolo as centerman, who was a right. great playmaking centerman, you know, that's going to have a bit of an impact on him. And our center position was a little depleted with injuries to Ben Street and Turner Elson right off the bat. So all those factors go into it. The positive is he scored in, in he's got points in seven uh, seven of his last games. So seven seven games in a row. He had two assists uh, last night, and uh, he's definitely trending upwards. So good for him for sort of uh, finding his way here uh, in the performance that he's put up lately. And then. You know, the three young defensemen, I guess I'd like to identify, Vili Sariarvi, Philip Horonic, and, and Joe Hicketts. And, mm -hmm. and Vili and Philip all hit on first because they're uh, first-year pros. 
you know, both players had very successful junior careers right here in Ontario, and I would tell you that uh, you know the the success and the, the development that they had in the off season and um, the start that they had to the season, um, you know, really allowed us to move Ryan Sproul. And, and you know, fans right. will remember that Ryan cleared waivers from Detroit and he ended up down there. And Ryan is an all star at that level. I mean, he's a he's a six foot four right shot defenseman that can can run a power play and he's got a big shot and I think he had almost a point a game for the five or so games that he went in and played for for Grand Rapids but the fact that we had too many defensemen there mm-hmm. and there was sort of a log jam and 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 Philip and Villy were not both able to get in and play minutes uh, and that's why Villy started the year in Toledo you know but that really um, prompted us to move Ryan Sproul, and um, we got a great player in return, Matt Pumple, who's been a tremendous uh, impact for us offensively. But but it's freed up the more importantly, it freed up space for for Philip and Villy to go into the lineup and play regularly, and and to get specialty teams time. Both of them are are power play guys, and, and so that's been good. And then Joe Hicketts, um, as a second year pro, I think had a really good training camp here in Detroit. Um, you know, certainly competed for a spot right up until the last night. For, for a spot on the team, showed the coaches that he's a real viable depth guy, a real good uh, call-up opportunity right now. And, um, you know, Joe's had a, a solid year down there. You know, I think we've the team has had ups and downs, and Joe hasn't been immune to that. But I think lately uh, he's found his game, and he's found what works for him, and he's gotten a little more time on the power play as well. And, uh, you know, Joe's been playing really well as of late. So, um, you know, those guys sort of, uh, in terms of the younger prospect uh demographic you know some of the older players down there who are certainly uh, prospects in a different sense you know maybe there are different points in their career where perhaps their their depth prospects like a Matt Laredo or Ben Street or Eric Tangrad you know those three guys were uh, tremendous veteran presence for us uh, last year helping us win the Calder Cup uh, you know they're all part of our leadership group whether they wear a C or an A, uh, or have in the past, you know, they're all part of Todd Nelson's uh, leadership group down there, and those guys uh, play big top six minutes. They play specialty teams. They're there to help mentor, uh, you know, our younger players. They're there to uh, to help us to help us win games. You know, because part of player development at that level, we believe, is is having success and winning games, and, mm-hmm. and we think it's important for. Um, you know, players like Bertuzzi and Turgeon and Svechnikov and Holmstrom to, to win games down there and, and to have some success and go on playoff runs. So uh, those would be the guys, uh, you know, that certainly stand out in terms of, uh, of prospects of, of different varieties, whether it's young guys just starting out their career or maybe some older vets that are more just at the depth point of their career. You know, you mentioned Matt, uh, is it Pumpo? Yes, Matt uh, Pumpo. Uh, he... Uh, he, he, as you said, he's an offensive weapon. He, he leads the team in scoring. He has 30 points in 31 games, 13 goals, 17 assists. Is this a fellow when you traded Ryan Sproul? Was he targeted for eventually Detroit, or did you think this is a good quality AHL player, somebody who could be a, an anchor here in Grand Rapids? Well, he's targeted for Detroit in terms of uh, he's still young enough where he's considered something of a prospect. I mean, he's a guy that. Uh, I saw play a lot uh, in the OHL. He played here. Uh, certainly, our pro scouts were familiar with uh, his stints in both Ottawa and New York. You know, he's played um, a little more than 80 NHL games, so it's a you know he's a guy that's had time in the NHL. He's had a lot of success in the American League, and 
you know, he has some things in his game that he needs to continue to work on. Uh, and, and our player development people as well as uh, Todd and his staff have been working with him on that. But he's a guy that, you know, he's certainly young enough where uh, you can't rule out the possibility uh, of him being a prospect of some variety. So we are certainly cognizant of that We, when we acquired him. And we also wanted to acquire a forward um you know, as opposed to a defenseman, obviously we're right. trying to clear the decks for a D. And, uh, you know, he was a guy that uh, we thought would be a good fit for us, and, and he's been a really good fit for us. Um, a couple of players, I know we've, we've mentioned him, but, uh, but I, uh, fans ask me a lot about them, is Zach Nastasiak, who has been going, is now back up in Grand Rapids, had played in Toledo, uh, a guy that I, I, I know that Dan Watson truly believes in. You know, he, he's really hard on himself, Nastasiak, and he's trying to you know, just build up his confidence. And then a, a fellow the Red Wings traded for from, from San Jose, Dylan uh, uh, Sadaway, who, for whatever reason, Seems to have potential, but just has not been able to find himself. Yeah, so, so Zach, Zach, um, Zach's in the last year of his entry-level contract with us, and um, he's, he's been uh, up and down between Toledo and Grand Rapids for, for his entire career uh, with us. This is his third-year pro, and you know, he's a guy that um, he came out of junior um, at the year after we drafted him, so he still had a year of junior eligibility left. And I can remember we were playing, um, we were playing Abbotsford in the playoffs, and and Jeff Blaschel said to me, you know, can anybody who's coming out of junior help us? And right. I, at the time, I didn't see any of the players, the young players we were bringing over from junior, being able to help us, except maybe Andreas Athanasiu, and and he did. He went into the lineup and played right away, and he did help us a little bit. Um, but when Zach showed up, we had a couple of injuries and it necessitated putting him in. And he, he was really good that year in the playoffs to the point where I can remember Jeff Blaschel saying at the end of the year, I can't wait to get that guy here next year. And I had to tell him, he's got another year of junior left. He's not coming for a whole other year. And then that's where he was when he was 19. He, he was that well regarded. Now his development has, um, has stalled a bit. Uh, it's been stunted. Um, he is a guy who's incredibly hard on himself. I think, you know, sometimes those younger players, when they're put into uh, sort of, I'll call it a no-lose situation, I mean, he had nothing to lose as a young 19-year-old junior kid coming in. I mean, if he made mistakes, the, the coach pretty much had to play him because we were depleted with injuries, and it wasn't like he was trying out for the team. He was going back to junior, so he was relaxed and sort of played to his strengths and played his game, and he felt very comfortable, and, and since then, uh, as he's transitioned into pro and as he's sort of developed uh, year to year here in our system, I think uh, he does put a lot of pressure on himself and he, he wants to be successful. He's a very caring and conscientious young man and uh, he, he's just had some challenges finding the type of game that's going to be the best fit for where he is. Um, he also needs to continue to work on some things like his foot speed uh, and his consistency and, and he knows that, but he's been a uh, he's been a tremendous pro with a great attitude, really good character. Um, he's a guy, obviously, that helps Toledo tremendously, and, and we just recently called him up to Grand Rapids a few weeks ago, and, and Todd put him in the lineup. I think he scored a goal his first shift and, and has had some success since he's been uh, in Grand Rapids. But he is a guy who um, he's been challenged to find uh, the fit that will be best and to continue his development uh, then the other player you point out, Dylan Sadaway, he's in his second year pro, and um, you know, I think Dylan's a guy that uh, is is still working through the challenges of of playing a different role as a pro than he did as a junior. And you know, 
Red Wing fans will remember Kirk Maltby as a player here right. that really was, you know, I don't want to say just a checker, I don't mean it in that sense, but Kirk Maltby had 50 goals uh, when he played junior, and, and people that didn't see him play junior might not know that. When he became a pro, he did a tremendous job of, of transitioning to a checker, and changing the style of play, and, and obviously that uh, led to him having a long and successful NHL career. So Dylan's a guy that had back-to-back 40-plus -back, uh, goal seasons in the OHL. Um, since he's turned pro, he, he hasn't been able to find a consistent scoring touch, and, and that's frustrating for him. I know that at times. And um, at the same time, our, our staff and our development people are trying to work with him to, to sort of change his role a little bit and find something that can help him find a niche as a, as a pro. And, and for him, I think it's important for him to be able to play, um, play more minutes down in Toledo, uh, play as a penalty killer consistently down there. He also gets power play time down in Toledo where he wouldn't probably get that in Grand Rapids. So, um, you know, different players at different points in their career, uh, sort of both trying to establish themselves and, and find a, a niche that will allow them to, to add value and continue to develop in a system. When uh, let's look at now at some of the prospects uh, up first. Uh, last year's number one draft pick, uh, taken ninth overall, uh, Michael uh, Rasmussen. Uh, he's out again with a wrist injury. But talking to Ken Holland, uh, uh, he told me this is a different wrist injury. It, it doesn't have anything to do with what kept him out last year. Um, that uh, and then when they went in to kind of clean it up, they found some scar tissue and things that uh, and and Rasmussen had played in pain for a long time and just finally said, you know what, I uh, you know I just can't do this anymore. Let's just take care of it. Very impressive in training camp. I know that the preseason game you can't, but he, he led the team I think in goal scoring. Uh, you know, was here up until the last day, much like Joe Hicketts. Uh, went back to junior. They thought that the, he might have had a little bit of a depression because he, you know, he went from an NHL camp back down to the Tri City Americans. But he's captain of that team uh, on the mend. Yet his numbers were good in Tri, tri City while he was playing. Um, you're. Uh, your assessment of uh, Rasmussen so far? First of all, the injury, um, the good news is, is they did repair correctly the injury that he had last year. And I guess oh, to, okay. to, to, to your point and to Ken's point, uh, the, the the current injury that he has is sort of a byproduct of that old one where you're right, they did need to clean up some things. But it was something that had been bothering him as a, more of a function of the scar tissue right. that was there. So we, they feel they've gotten that and they've corrected that. I think the timing of it... Um, we feel is important sort of to push him out all the way to training camp to allow him to have a full summer uh, of training. Um, I guess more importantly to allow him to come back this year, play playoff hockey for his team, and then go into the summer and have a full summer of training. He could have waited till the end of the season, but his team is one of the better ones in the Western League. They could have gone on a long playoff run and it would have set him, set him back in terms of his training. So our expectation and our hope is he's back uh, – I think it was six weeks from the injury, so he's got he's probably about halfway there, um, and and then he'll be able to play some games this year, play in the playoffs, and then have a full season of training. But you're you're correct; he did have a tremendous training camp. Uh, had a great team Canada uh, summer camp. Um, you know, I know he was really trying to make that team. I think the amount of games that he missed in the fall due to the injury probably uh, put him a little bit behind the eight ball in terms of the opportunity to make that team, but. 
you know, I, I think he stated the case very well to be uh, considered for that. I'm sure he's going to be one of their candidates next year. Uh, and, and his point production, he had 31 points in 22 games so far in Tri-State. I think that's great for their for the Western League. So, I mean, he's a guy that we're really high on and obviously one of our, our great prospects. Does he have a legitimate shot at being a Red Wing next year? Well, all these players, I think, you know, especially a guy of Michael's caliber, um, his size and his strength, you know, Jim Nell used to have a great saying, so I'll, I'll defer to Jim. The, the players will decide. So, I mean, we're certainly not trying to hold anybody back and keep them off the team if they can help us win games. I mean, at the end of the day, what's in the best interest of the Red Wings and what's in the best interest of, of any particular player in terms of of his development, um, that that's what goes into to, uh, to our decision of whether a kid goes back to junior, whether a kid goes to the American League, whether a kid goes to Europe, whatever it might be. So does he have a chance? He absolutely has a chance. Uh, I know we've talked about Chalowski, but let me run this one by you, Ryan, is that since he was drafted, has there been a player that has improved as significantly as Chalowski has? He's done, he's put on weight, he, he left college to, 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 you know, to go to the, the Western League and play for Prince, Prince George. Uh, uh, I know that he was, uh, he was traded to Portland, yet he has seems, obviously he has a desire, he wants to be here. And he's he listens to what the Red Wings tell him what he needs to do. Is he on a maybe a faster track than maybe originally thought? For sure, he is, and, and he's a great example of the the players will decide. Um, he is on a fast track, and he's the one that's done the work. I mean, we've done very little other than give him the guidance and and the resources to to allow him to uh, to accomplish his his objectives and certainly one of the big ones as you pointed out is strength I mean he, he put on probably close to 15 pounds since we drafted him and and that's that's a result of the sweat equity he put in in the offseason he he also elected to, to live in Detroit and to train down here and to um, to be around player development people who could have a close eye on him and uh, you know he's had a ton of success going going out to Prince George, and, and as we talked about earlier in the podcast, uh, you know he's a guy that's going to play a big role for Portland. They've got a really good team. They should go far in the playoffs, and um, I, I think this might be one of the first playoff runs he, he's been on uh, since he came out of Tier 2 when he was in Chilliwack. So uh, great experience for him, and, and certainly um, you know our expectation is that, uh, like, like several of these players, he's going to come into camp next year and compete for for a job on the Red Wings. And then, you know, at the end of the day, you know, Jeff Blaschel and Ken Holland and myself and the rest of the staff here will we'll sit down and decide what, what's in his best interest and where is he at in his development. Right, certainly. I mean, uh, I don't even want to say this because it sounds negative, but <coughs> worst-case scenario would be he's in Grand Rapids next year, Chalowski. Right, yeah. The, yeah. He, he's not going back to junior. I mean, he does have junior eligibility left, but... That's not going to serve uh, his development. We we certainly have uh, you know a couple contingency plans in place, and, and one of them is him being in Grand Rapids, and uh, and that would be good for his development too if that's what he needs. Um, a player that intrigues everybody because he's uh, you know when you cover these guys, you get to see them with their uh, out of uniform is just like completely built. Is is Giovanni Smith? 
Uh, I know that uh, because of the weird OHL rule, he didn't turn 20, I don't think, until February. So he either had to make the Red Wings or go back to junior and not play in Grand Rapids. Uh, he was hurt at the beginning of this year, which impacted his, uh, his chances of making the uh, Canadian World Junior team. But Giovanni Smith is that type of guy that appears to have it all, offensive ability, in size and plays a uh, a sandpaper type of game. Yeah, and he did. He had a really debilitating uh, high ankle sprain, which is a, although it seems minor, it's a tough injury to recover from for a skater. And uh, it definitely uh, did not impact favorably his chances of making Canada's World Junior Team. Um, but nonetheless, he's back now. He's healthy. Um, he's going to a good team in Kitchener. Uh, with the chance to to go on a playoff run, I think that's a great experience for him. You know, Giovanni is an interesting player in, in that uh, you know the year we drafted him, he played on a team that did not have very much success, and I I think the it was an easy role for him to play in the sense that they didn't have a lot of offensive players. He was one of a few, and he was probably one of the only players that played with any kind of an edge. And, you know, his assignment was basically go out there and try to do your best and produce some offense and bring some, some size and toughness along the way. We're not going to win much. We're not going to go very far. You know, it, it was a very, um, I don't want to say easy environment to play for, but the game came easier for him then. You know, then right. the expectations got raised. The team got better. The coach, they made a change in the coaching staff. And, and I think, you know, Giovanni is now... Um, has sort of found for the last year and a few months that, you know, he needs to do more. He's got to play more of a role. He's got to play more of a complete game. Uh, the league's not quite as easy as he expected it to be at times, you know, based on the success he had as a first year. So these are all sort of natural uh, things that, that, that are part of the development process. And, um, you know, going to a different organization, one that's had a ton of success as the Kitchener Rangers have had, uh, they're very well coached. You know, we're we're looking forward to to his spring and playoff run because I think it'll be a great experience for him. Some of the other players that I'm going to ask you about are guys that basically have been drafted over the last couple of seasons by the Red Wings. Are still either at their junior level or playing in the NCAA. And so Ryan, you know, if you don't have much to say about them, uh, don't feel obligated that you have to expound on each and every one of them. Although we've talked about a number of them already. But uh, John Adams, or Jack Adams, he's at Union College right now. He started off okay uh, early in the season. It, is there, uh, uh, it seemed to surprise Red Wing officials uh, during the, uh, uh, the development camp with his, he's big man at six foot uh, uh, five, 204 pounds, but he seemed to have some deceptive speed. Uh, is Jack developing nicely over at Union? Jack's playing real well at Union, and, and he's, you know, what I would say is more of a longer-term prospect. I mean, he's a big guy, um, I think kind of a later developer. I mean, he's sort of one of those uh, classic college players that, you know, plays some time in junior hockey um, and then goes off to college, and, and, and he may need three or four years to develop, which, you know, that's sort of our timeline and our expectation for, for him. So um, he's in a good spot at Union. Um, you know, obviously they've had a lot of success uh, in, in recent years, and you know he's a guy that uh, is, is you know he's put up a few points. I think he's averaging about half a point a game, uh, which is good for a freshman. You know, he's sort right. of just trying to find his way there. 
A uh, guy that uh, third round draft pick this year, Zach Gallant, six foot two, one hundred ninety eight pounds. Zach seemed to be a, 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 a player that uh, you know he was the fella that uh, he scored like uh, I think a goal and accumulated only four points his first year in junior in fifty one games. Then he came back was a twenty goal score. How's uh, how's Zach doing? Zach's doing well. You know I think they just they just recently made a change in the coaching staff in in Peterborough. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that, uh, you know, as one year coming out of, uh, one year since junior, you know, he's sort of trying to find his role and balance it there in Peterborough between, uh, you know, trying to be more offensive, right. uh, trying to play a responsible two-way game. Um, you know, I know our player development guys have seen him play several times this year, and, you know, he's, he's on the right track. I mean, it's, it's a little early to tell, but certainly we like what he's shown so far. Um, Chase Pearson, uh, he's a fifth-round pick in 2015. He's captain of the Maine Black Bears. Red Wings seem to have a history with some players from Maine, including Jimmy Howard, obviously, and uh, Gustav Nyquist. Uh, uh, Chase seems to be one of those character, maybe depth kind of guys. Is, is, is that how you see him in this organization? Yeah, it's exactly how we see him. And, and um I know that uh, the last half of uh, this season has been uh, a little bit better for me. Finally, he scored his first goal a few weeks ago. He'd been uh, stymied a little while there uh, without scoring a goal. But he's a guy that plays a big role for them. Uh, Maine is a little bit of a rebuilding program. I know they're better this year than they were a year ago. But in talking to their coach uh, coaches when I've been out there to see uh, Pat Holloway and Chase Pearson play, they're very complimentary of both players and, and especially Chase's leadership skills. You know, he's a guy that probably plays uh, a, a more mature game. You know, his dad played in the NHL. Mm -hmm. I think he's got a, uh, a bit of feel as to how to play a responsible two-way game. He's getting bigger and stronger. Um, you know, he works hard there. He's six foot two, So, you know, he's a guy that, uh, you know, what – like Adams in terms of needing a little more time in college. I think college has been a great option for him. Playing one year in the USHL um, after 18 and then going over to playing college I think has been a really, really good fit for him. We talked about uh, Lane Zablocki a little bit, but uh, you know, each player, when, you, when we first meet him for the first time, we'll ask him, well, who do you, care, you know, characterize yourself or who do you want to pattern your game after? He sees himself in the mold of an Andrew Shaw. He's been moved a lot, but a guy like an Andrew Shaw, teams kind of want. Uh, is that a is he making a fair assessment of his of himself? And do you see him? Uh, is that what he truly is? Is just a little bit of an agitator who has uh, some offensive game? That's exactly what he is. He, he um, and I think he relishes that. He he is an agitator. Um, he's more than capable with the puck. He can he can put up offensive numbers. Um, Red Deer acquired him last year at the trade deadline to, to be a big part of uh, of their playoff push, and, and that's why he's been moved uh, again this year. Uh, so he's he's a character guy, uh, a guy that plays an emotional, energetic game, uh, and, and he's certainly very capable with the puck. So you know he's a guy that because of his late birthday, um, he's got the opportunity, the option to turn pro next year. Uh, and, and also he's got the opportunity or the option to go back and play overage junior. Um, so that's, you know, that's something we're going to have to consider here as we move forward. Uh, we talked a little bit about him too, but uh, Jordan uh, Sandbrook, uh, offensively gifted defenseman in a, in a way, 
Uh, most people would say that about him. Uh, you know, he was moved from Erie to the Sioux Greyhounds, who, as you said, are an exceptional team this year. Um, you know, he's got a big body. Uh, I know you said you have to make a decision on him. Uh, he seems to be an intriguing player because everything I've ever read about him is that everyone kind of likes him, but they're still almost unsure about what exactly is he. Well, he's... Um I just saw him play about a week or so ago when I was over in Buffalo. I, Tyler Wright and Jeff Finley and Andrew Dixon and I went down to watch Erie play. Um, it was one of his last games prior to his being traded. And uh, he is a guy that, you know, he puts up numbers at the junior level. Um, you know, he does show a, some propensity to be able to do that at the higher level. I don't know to what degree. Um, you know, only time will tell. And, and he is... He is big, as you indicate. He doesn't play uh, an overly physical style. You know, certainly he gets in the way and he knows how to use his size. Um, but he's more a guy that 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 thinks the game um, and takes away space with his angling and his positioning, as opposed to somebody that's a real big, physical, punishing defenseman. Um, he's got a couple areas of his game that he needs to continue to work on with his foot speed, uh, and obviously strength is an issue. But uh, as we pointed out. Um, he's played a lot of hockey the last two years, being in Erie, um, you know, prior to uh, to just being traded now. He's played 35 extra games on their two playoff runs. That's just in their league. That's not even counting the Memorial right. Cup. So uh, he's played a lot of extra hockey, um, and, and by all accounts, it appears he's going to play even more this year going to the Sioux. So the good news is, is he goes to a playoff team. Uh, and a team that's going to go on a run, and that's great experience for him. Um, and then, you know, really the only downside is it just keeps him out of the gym. But uh, certainly he, he's a guy that, uh, that that we like, and we're going to continue to watch here through the spring, and, and we have to make a decision on him. Uh, looking at uh, uh, Cole Frazier, and the reason I bring him up, he's a fifth-round pick, 6'2", 191 pounds, but during the uh, – uh, prospects tournament, he fought former Red Wing traffic, I believe, Michael McKee, who is much larger than him, older, and seems to, here's a kid who pretty much knows what he is, and that he's out there to uh, not police the ice, but sort of police the ice. I mean, he may not be an offensively gifted guy, but yet he is uh, going to get you uh, penalty minutes and, and just doesn't back down. Yeah, he knows exactly what he is, um, and uh, you know the real positive on on Cole is I think within really the last three to four weeks uh, he's taken a, a good step in his development. He's playing more minutes um, in Peterborough. Uh, his opportunity has expanded there, and that's a real credit to the hard work that that he's put in. Um, and I think the coaching change uh, was a positive thing for him. I think the new staff sees him. Uh, in a little bit different light, and, and so all by all, all, all of our reports from our amateur staff as well as our player development people have been very positive in relation to Cole, um, and, and certainly uh, you know he's a guy that we're going to continue to monitor very closely. A uh, fellow who played in the World Juniors tournament, we saw him at the summer showcase. We talked to him every single day. Casper uh, 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 Kotskinsalo, he predicted vi Finland didn't do too well in the summer showcase, but he predicted victory over Sweden. That didn't happen, but he, <laughs> he's at Boston. I love his confidence. Yeah, yeah, you have to. He's at Boston University, and on a team that's loaded, uh, the Finnish team, which was loaded with defense, but in Boston University has a good defensive core. 
as a true freshman, he's pretty much holding his own. Yeah, that's a great point that you make. Um, both the Finnish team and BU have uh, future NHL caliber defensemen for sure, and, and a lot of them. And uh, playing time is at a premium, and he's done a terrific job of um, in both envi in both environments of. Uh, getting his foot in the door and, and cementing a job. And, and I just saw him play last week at the World Junior, and, and I thought uh, I thought he had a, a couple of challenges early in the tournament uh, and then got comfortable very, very quickly. And I think it was also reflected in, in the role that he played. I think he got more and more of a role as the tournament progressed. And uh, he did well. He, he is what he is. He's a... He's a big, strong guy. Um, you know, probably more of a stay-at-home guy that makes a simple, safe pass. He's more of a defender, um, but one of our uh, area scouts, Len Cannell, is now an assistant coach at BU. So we talked to Len quite a bit, and, and certainly all the reports are very positive on on Casper. Uh, up next, um, also played in the World Junior Tournament for Team Sweden, Gustav Lindstrom. Six foot two, 187 pounds, drafted in the second round. He was moving high on everybody's draft list, but the Red Wings still, I think, stunned people last year uh, in Chicago when they took him as high as they did in the second round. He also, uh, the thing that I liked about him at the Summer Showcase, he was always freaked out about the small ice surface. He had never played there. By the third game on the small ice surface, it looked like he was right at home. So kind of a quick study. Uh, Gustav Lindstrom on, on a team, again, Team Sweden had some, including, of course, Rasmus Dahlin, had some very, very good defensemen, yet uh, Gustav was able to uh, uh, to showcase himself a bit in the World Juniors. Yeah, and I thought he played very well. Um, uh, you know, a different player than Casper, but certainly um, not a dissimilar progression through the tournament where um, he, he got more comfortable uh, maybe after the first game or two, and, and then looked very good uh, the latter part of the tournament. And, and here's a, a young player that uh, is not coming from the elite league like some of his uh, fellow countrymen. He's coming from a, a little bit lower division. And so to, uh, to play and contribute um, in the World Junior at that level, we thought he did extremely well. Uh, he's a very smart defenseman, moves the puck extremely well, um, has a bit of a, a Cronwall dimension to his game in that he likes to play physical. Right. He, uh, does. he is physical. Um, you know, he needs to continue to work on his strength, but uh, uh, we like him a lot. He's, he's a good prospect for us for sure and, uh, you know, one that uh, we're very happy with. Uh, I'm, I sometimes a multi-Setkoff. Exactly. Uh, he, uh, uh, again, you know, 100th overall pick, fourth round, uh, six foot six, one ninety two. Uh, if there's a pattern here. It seems like the Red Wings have gone for a little bit of size here. But uh, uh, he also, I think, played in the World Juniors. And uh, what can you tell us about Malte? Well, he played for Denmark. Uh, he was in the top pair for for the Danish team on, on D. And, and Denmark ended up in the relegation round. Which, uh, to people that don't know, the uh, there's ten teams in the World Junior and the. The bottom two after the uh, the round robin play have sort of a, a playoff where the the winner stays in the 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 upper division, if you will, mm -hmm. and the, the losers relegated to a lower division for future for the next year. And by the same time, one of the lower division teams is elevated into to that. So his team played in the relegation 
bracket, uh, and they won the two out of three series, two games to none. Um, and so he played as big of a role for that team as anybody uh, on defense could have. He played in their top pair. He played in all situations. Uh, he's six foot six. He skates like he's five foot six. He's a very good skater for his size. Uh, he's just sort of learning how um, how to maneuver his body. <laughs> Um, and anybody scouting by stats, his statistics were not great. Uh, but you know, in our opinion, as we saw him play there, uh, his statistics were probably more a function of, unfortunately, the lack of success that the team had. They were just the Danish team was just overmatched on, on in several areas in terms of the competition they were playing. So great opportunity for him to play against great competition. Um, like the Swedes and the Russians and the Finns and the U.S. and things like that, but um, you know certainly a challenging tournament. But he did very well there. And, you know, it's a guy that uh, that um, is very committed to being a pro. He commutes 90 minutes a day uh, in Sweden to to his to the team where he <laughs> plays, and uh, he's really devoted and, and wants to get better. All right, just a few more here, Ryan. I know you've given us a lot of your time, uh, uh, fellow that the Red Wings signed as a free agent. Uh, uh, Libor Sulak, uh, also six foot two, two hundred seven pounds. Uh, Yuri Fisher had scouted him for over a year. When uh, and, and you know was one was one main reason said, listen, this is a guy I think that could help us. And I remember during the Grand Rapids playoff run, the Red Wings did sign him last year during that. And uh, uh, Libor Sulak uh, uh, seems to be a, a you know a, another one of these guys that. Uh, you know, people look at the Red Wing organization, think diamond in the rough. Is is, is could he possibly be one of those players? Well, we hope so. Uh, you know, he's a six foot two defenseman. Um, he does have some offense to his game. Anybody that saw our prospect tournament or uh, the the few training camp exhibition games that that he played, uh, he's a very good skater. Uh, he can transport the puck up the ice. Uh, makes a decent first pass. You know, he's a guy that you know Ken Holland. Uh, scouted him as well. You know, Yuri and, and Ken uh, would be the two that, that right. signed him out of the World Championships. And, you know, one of the things, uh, Libor at the time had already agreed to um, play this season in Finland. So that's where he is currently playing. Um, you know, despite the fact that we did sign him, he already had a contract in Finland to play this year. So he's been in the Elite League. He's got 20 points in 22 games. So almost a point a game for the Elite League. Uh, is good for a defenseman for sure. Uh, you know the, the the Finnish elite league is certainly on par with uh, with the American Hockey League, and, and they've got a lot of skilled players over there. And so a defenseman to do what he has done over there is is a very positive sign. And uh, you know our our expectation with Libor is we're going to try to bring him over to North America um, as we get into the spring here once their season is done over in Finland, and if Grand Rapids is fortunate uh, to be in the playoffs, you know, I think it would be a great experience for him to come over and be a part of that. We're going to finish off with a couple of goalie prospects, and uh, people always ask me if there is that guy that maybe the Red Wings hit a home run on that they, they weren't counting on, just, uh, you know, certainly they want all their pro people they draft to actually make the team, but uh, that would be goaltender Philip Larson, who's playing for the Tri-City Storm in the United States Hockey League. I think I lost count at three or four that he's been player of the week there. He is having an outstanding uh, career. I know that uh, several NCAA schools, he wants to go to college next year. Michigan still appears to be in the mix. He was on uh, Sweden's uh, World Junior team as well. Uh, is Larson the guy? Is that the guy, Ryan, when you look at it and say, wow, 
this kid is, and for lack of a, you know, better than we thought. I mean, he, he, he's legitimate. Yeah, all, all, all of that is, is accurate, um, with the exception, I don't want to disappoint any Michigan fans. I believe he's already committed to the University of Denver, so it's... Uh, well, really? It's, well, it's not Michigan State. Uh, it, it is not uh, <laughs> Mason Blue. So um, he's had a great year in the USHL. He's one of the best goalies in the USHL, and I think uh, you know his development has really been you know, a function. He's a later developing guy. You right. know, that's really all I can point to. And, you know, nobody in our on our staff you know, expected him to have this much of an impact or we probably would have drafted him earlier. Uh, but to his credit, he's just a guy that was a later developer. You know, he played at a lower league and, um, you know, he had to get comfortable there before he had some level of success. And I don't, uh, you know, I'm certainly not a member of the Swedish uh, national staff, but I don't even think he was on their radar really until you know late last year when they got brought him into the mix, and he sort of went from the the afterthought goalie to he made the team and he was the number two, and and frankly I think was challenging the number one to play the you know the primary minutes at the World Junior. He only ended up playing one game, but but uh, he looked good doing it, and he looked great here in the uh, in the summer showcase event. So um, he's a guy that's been on a real steep upward trajectory. Uh, this last year or so. Uh, we think it's great that he's in North America now in the USHL playing on small ice, and we think it's great that he's going to head to college, um, and, and whether it's Denver or Michigan or wherever it might be. Uh, <laughs> we think it's good for him to play over here on the smaller ice and, and play, play big minutes. He himself at the Summer Showcase said he didn't even think the Swedish coaches knew who he was. I mean, I remember talking to you during it. We weren't even sure he was going to play a game, and he ends up playing the last game against the big rival Finland. So he really has gone come a long way in a short period of time. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it. And, uh, you know, he, he works hard at his craft. Uh, we've got a Swedish um, goalie consultant slash coach slash scout uh, that does some work for us over there, and who knows him very well, and uh, really good character, really good background and makeup, and um, you know the the goalie position obviously takes the longest to to develop. So it's been a very it's been a real positive that we we've had more time with this player uh, because I think he needs that. Um, Chase Perry, who's playing for the RPI Engineers in the NCAA, also a big athletic goalie, uh, moves from side to side extremely well. Uh, trying to put his game together, but uh, it looks like Chase Perry could be one of these good insurance guys as well. Well, yeah, trying to put his game together is accurate. You know, I know that um, he's had some challenges there in terms of, of opportunity and playing time, and um, I think the other goalie there, you know, they've probably relied on more uh, than Chase, which that's fine. You know, he's he's young enough and and it's early enough in in his career where he needs to work through this adversity uh, and use it as a positive. Um, you know, it's a different coaching staff there today than when he got there, and that may have something right. to do with it. But uh, you know, certainly, you know, the college game is such that when you're only playing two games a week, um, you know, the coach has the ability sometimes just to ride one guy. And, uh, you know, Chase is going to have to use that as, as motivation to, uh, to put in the extra work and, and find his game again because certainly uh, he has upside um, and we still see that. During the draft in Chicago, the scuttlebutt in the, uh, the media quarters there uh, was that the, perhaps the best player that the Red Wings drafted overall when they looked at all 11 picks with Keith Petrozelli, uh, the goalie, Third round pick, 88th overall. He's at Quinnipiac. 
uh, this year as a freshman. I'm not so sure, but maybe uh, his transition into the college game, where Quinnipiac also has another really good goalie too, um, has been a little more maybe challenging for him than maybe he originally thought. I, I think that's a I think that's an accurate way to say it. You know, he's a true freshman, and that's 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 not all that common uh, these days in college hockey. So, um, you know, certainly he. He had a good showing at the summer camp in Plymouth where, where he was on our radar to be a member of the, the U.S. World Junior Team. Um, you know, Quinnipiac historically has been an older college team. They've had a lot of success. Rand Pecknold's done a really good job there uh, coaching. And then, as you correctly point out, they do have another good goalie, which that's great. We, we see mm -hmm. that competition as a real positive. I think it's a real positive environment for, for Keith to go in there and have to fight for his job because, uh, you know, I can remember talking with, and, and Rand is a friend of Jeff Blaschel's, I can remember talking with Rand and, and Jeff uh, early, early in the fall, and, and Rand correctly pointed out, like, hey, this guy's never had to fight to be the starter. He's just always been given the starting job, which that's not always a good thing. Right. You know, it's good for players to have to go through some adversity and be challenged for playing time. Um, he came out of the gates and played one of their first games of the year that I saw against Boston University and was probably the only reason uh, the game got to overtime. He was terrific. Um, and, you know, I think since then, uh, maybe he let his foot off the gas a little bit, um, and the other goalie kind of picked up his game uh, to, to the point now where, you know, the other guy's gotten more of the starts, but I was just talking with their coaches the other day, and and uh, Keith's had some excellent weeks of practice, and he's back in the mix, and, and he's going to start playing more the second half of the year. So, like I said, we see that as a real pause, you know, for a guy who's sort of just always been given the starting job to, to have to, to fight for the opportunity to play, um, he's going to have to do that as a pro, so the sooner he learns how to deal with that and use it as a positive, the better it's going to be for his development. All right, Ryan, believe it or not, I think, uh, I think we've asked you about virtually, about virtually every kid, and you know, if you want to take a stab at who that five-year-old is that just got traded, uh, if you want to give us a name, uh, feel free to. But, uh, I, you know, Red Wing fans who listen to the Red and White Authority, they want to know the team right now uh, – has has played better. They they seem to be establishing themselves at home. I know they didn't like the last game against uh, Tampa Bay, who is definitely Detroit's nemesis, having beaten them ten straight times and fourteen out of the last fifteen games, including playoff series. But regardless, we all know how good Tampa is. Where do you think the Red Wings are at this point? As they uh, are going to be coming off their bye week and uh, pick it up back uh, uh, Saturday afternoon against the Penguins. Well, uh, you know. Fortunately, there's been a lot of parity in our division. You know, probably um, a month or so ago, I would have said that, you know, it's more likely that uh, we're in a race with, um, you know, Boston, uh, Montreal, Florida for that third spot in the Atlantic, where it looked like both of the wildcard spots were going to be locked down uh, by the other division. And, and since then, it's actually flipped completely right. the opposite of that. You know, Boston really took off. Uh, they're playing some great hockey, and uh, you know the the other division has has kind of stumbled a bit. And really, it's the, the wild card spots that have opened up. So, you know, we're six points out, and uh, you know that's obviously that's competitive. That means you're in the mix. You know, the the downside is there's also four other teams uh, ahead of us. But um, 
you know, we're happy that we're in the mix. You know, you know, we're happy that we're competing. I think Jimmy Howard has been playing great, giving us a chance to win. I think young players like Dylan Larkin, uh, Anthony Mantha, um, Gus Nyquist, Thomas Tatar, I think those guys have taken another step. I think Tyler Bertuzzi, uh, the energy that he brings to the lineup, uh, the youthful energy, and he's played everywhere from the fourth line to the first line. I think that's been great. You know, Athanasiu, another guy, obviously, that uh, – uh, has been playing really well as a young young player and, and taking another step in his career. I think the Nielsen Glendening and, and up until his injury anyway, Glendening, but the Nielsen Glendening and Helm trio uh, was checking the other team's best lines every night and, and having a lot of success. I, I know Zetterberg uh, not having statistically the same season he had last year, but I think that was a bit of an outlier and a bit uh, you know unexpected mm. based on his his age. But nonetheless, he's having a, a terrific year as well. Uh, so I think all those things are positive. So um, certainly, um, you know, it's nice to still be in contention. It's nice to still be competing. Uh, we need to continue to, to string together, uh, you know, four and five game streaks, uh, you know, on the positive side as opposed to the negative side, which, which we've been fortunate enough to do, um, and then see how long, you know, we can hang around to, to try to make some noise. Uh, and finally, it, it seems getting a feel from the team is that they feel, I don't know if relief is it, but they're comfortable that at least they're starting to make Little Caesars Arena their own arena, that it is a distinct maybe home ice advantage, maybe came a little bit slowly, but is starting to uh, uh, really take hold. Yeah, I think... Um you know, I know I'm still working my way through the arena. I think everybody is, whether it's a coach, a player, a, um, a member of this staff, whether and, and certainly for the fans as well. You know, I know a number of people that I've spoken with, whether they're um, club level patrons or people that uh, sit up top in, in the regular seats. You know, people are really still just taking in the arena, and uh, I know our attendance has been been great i know our drop counts have been great uh, sometimes it might not look that way on tv but uh that's more a function of people staying in the clubs and enjoying those that are staying out on the concourse and and getting acclimated and enjoying all that the the concourses have to offer so um you know i think i said this on the last podcast jimmy jimmy devilano calls it the greatest arena in the world i think he's right i mean really there's nothing that was forgotten in this building uh, that's the positive. The downside is it, it uh, you know, it's it's kept people from, you know, really um, having the, the significant home ice advantage uh, right away. But I think that'll come with time as people get used to the different dynamics of this building as opposed to the Joe and the different uh, the different atmosphere. But I mean, the scoreboard's great, the organ's great, the sound system's great, the lighting's great. You know, the on ice product has been good, and and hopefully we can remain competitive. Right, certainly. I, I think when you look at Joe Lewis Arena, it's such a culture shock, and I think Detroiters are cynical by nature. But even the the, the cold hearted Detroiter, when they walk into this uh, arena for the first time, it, there is certainly a wow factor. It, it is truly incredible. Yeah, you, I mean, you have to. Uh, that that's. That says it perfectly. I can remember when they were building the arena, and I'm not even a native Detroiter, but I've been here 13 years. I can remember saying to Ken, "You know, I'm going to miss the, I'm going to miss the the smell of the Joe and the character and the sight lines and every, you know, I've forgotten about what that all was. But now that I've been in the new one, I mean, it's just it's it's that special. So and and certainly it's going to take time to a 
to establish a real home ice advantage. Those things don't happen overnight, and it, it comes with uh, you know it comes with winning, and uh, it comes uh, you know hopefully with playoff series and, and good matchups and rivalries and things like that. And so, um, like I said, the the fans have been great to, in supporting us, and um, we're looking forward to to hopefully a successful spring. Ryan Martin, Assistant General Manager of the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, thanks for joining us. You're always gracious with your time. Very informative, fun, entertaining. Really appreciate it, and we look forward to having you on the next Red and White Authority very, very soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.